The Atlanta Braves offense continues to sputter as they drop a very winnable game on Tuesday night, 3-2 to the Colorado Rockies. Max Fried wasn't great, but the pitching did enough to win the game. The offense was just not able to get going. We'll talk about that and also how the Braves wasted another opportunity to gain ground on the New York Mets. All of that on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I'm covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves and send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube, hit that notification bell, and hit that thumbs up button on this video as it does support the show a ton when you do that. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The game on Tuesday for the Atlanta Braves did not go great. They lose 3 to 2 to the Colorado Rockies. It's a game they simply cannot lose if they're going to win the NL East because the Mets lost again on Tuesday and the Braves were unable to again gain ground in the NL East and when you got your ace on the mound you're going against one of the worst road teams in all of baseball and a guy with an ERA north of five this is a game you have to win and the Atlanta Braves just weren't able to do it they are in a serious rut right now losing three in a row but Let's not kid ourselves. This Braves team is still really good. They're still going to make the postseason. They're still going to be close to 30 games above 500. But, again, if you're going to win the NL East, you you have no margin for error. You dug yourself in such a hole in the first two months of the season that you have to pretty much play perfect baseball down the stretch. And the Braves haven't done that over these last three games for whatever reason. Just a bad stretch, but they certainly need to shake themselves out of it. And a big reason for that right now is the offense. And the offense continues to struggle, really, after that game on Friday night in St. Louis. You know, we're talking about a three-game sample size, but the offense just has not been able to come through in these last three games. You know, the bullpen obviously blew a couple of games in St. Louis, but along with that, The offense has gone ice cold. On Tuesday, just two runs, seven hits, four walks, and 12 strikeouts. Two for 13 with runners in scoring position, 10 left on on base. Pretty similar to what we saw Sunday. The Braves had plenty of base runners against Adam Wainwright, just weren't able to capitalize, weren't able to come up with that big hit, and it was the same thing on Tuesday. Plenty of base runners, seven walks, or four walks, seven hits. Plenty of base runners scattered throughout the game just not able to come up with that big hit, just missed a couple of home runs. They got some help by the Rockies' defense as well. 
they just couldn't come through when it counted. They couldn't come through when it mattered. And that's really just unlike this offense and unlike what we've seen from them most of this season. Now, Ronald Acuna Jr. still not in the lineup on Tuesday. You hate to see that, obviously, when he's in there, even when he's not 100%. He can be a difference maker in that lineup. So not having him out there you know, certainly is hurting the Braves right now. But even without him, this lineup is still very good and very deep and should be able to put up, you know, four-plus runs a game, especially against a team like the Colorado Rockies and a pitcher in Jose Urania. So, again, not trying to make excuses for this offense. Even without Acuna, you have to do better than they did on Tuesday night, and they just weren't able to. And for me, it's the 12 strikeouts. When you look back at this night and what really plagued this offense is the strikeouts, particularly the strikeouts in big moments. and. Look, I talked about it coming in. The Rockies have the fewest strikeouts in all of baseball. Now that's, you know, subjective to who's pitching that night. But Jose Arena came into this game with a K per nine under six. That is not very good. It's one of the worst among qualified starters. And yet he struck out six Braves batters over five innings. I mean, you just can't, you can't do that. And I thought the Braves had, you know, pretty good at bats working deep counts but still swinging for the fences on two strikes. And you can't have that. You can't work counts like that, get to two strikes, and still have that same you know home run approach, especially when you have runners in scoring position. You have runners on base. You have to find a way to put the ball in play. And it seems like the Braves were just kind of stuck in between that approach on Tuesday in terms of you know having good at-bats, working deep counts, but then also not being able to cut down on your swing and just put the ball in play when you need to with runners on base. So to me, that was one of the more frustrating things on Tuesday is 12 strikeouts against the Colorado Rockies pitching. Now Lawrence and Bard, two of the relievers they use, you know, those guys have pretty good strikeout numbers, but it really just was the early on strikeouts against Urania when you had him on the ropes. You know, Estevez, another reliever they brought in, he's just under a strikeout per inning, so not terrible, but Still, just too many strikeouts against this Colorado Rockies pitching staff and too many strikeouts in clutch situations. And you look at the how the game ended, another one-run loss, third in a row, and you really can point back to the first inning for where things you know, really ultimately decided this game. The Atlanta Braves got some help in the first inning. They had a runner reach on an error by Jose Iglesias, a rare error, very good shortstop over there. And also got two walks in the inning. So you loaded the bases with one out with a lot of help from the Rockies, but yet you couldn't get a hit. You couldn't even put the ball in play after that. As Travis Darnot, who's usually really good at, at putting the ball in play, strikes out on a pitch way out of the zone, would have been ball four. He did that twice on Tuesday evening, striking out on a fastball, running away from him way out of the zone. And that was maybe the biggest bat of the game when you look back at it bases loaded one out again could have been ball four Travis Darno doesn't like taking walks but that one would have driven in or walked in a run and he he strikes out there and then Rosario comes out and he strikes out as well and you get nothing out of that first inning a 28 pitch first inning for Jose Urania you had a chance to really put up a crooked number you know, maybe get him out of this game even earlier and get into that Rockies bullpen and and maybe not their best bullpen relievers. And you just weren't able to do that. And to me, that ultimately is what cost the Braves the game in this one is that first inning 
not being able to come up and with a hit when you needed to with an opportunity or even a walk. Like I said, Travis Darno could have walked there and walked in a run and continued to drive up that pitch count for Arania, but just not able to come up with a hit at all and not get anything out of that first inning really came back to hurt the Braves in this game. Now, there was still plenty of game left, and I feel like the offense would, you know, generate something. But, again, this offense been struggling these last three games now. They've scored just five runs in the last 22 innings, and three of those came on a home run by Dansby Swanson on Sunday night. So, offense just not what we're used to seeing, and perhaps it is just a, a cold stretch for them but really need to see them pick up the pace, see them get going again and start putting up some more crooked numbers and doing it in bunches throughout the games and not just a three-run homer here or there, but to be able to manufacture runs and be able to put the ball in play and come up with some key hits, what we've seen from them most of this season. Again, we're talking about a, a three-game stretch here where the offense just hasn't been great. So I know they'll turn things around, but certainly frustrating to see them in a little bit of a funk like this. Max Reed wasn't great on Tuesday night either, but did enough to keep his team in the game and give them a chance to win. We'll talk about his performance next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season as the football season gets underway. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. The Braves were hoping to get another ace-like performance from Max Fried on Tuesday, and turns out they really needed it as the offense didn't get going. Max Fried certainly wasn't great, but gave his team an opportunity to win. His final line, five innings, seven hits, one walk, three runs, two of them earned, three strikeouts. The unearned run actually came on an error from Max Freed, a very rare error from Max Freed. So again, things just not going his way on Tuesday night. Through 91 pitches, 55 of them for strikes. So not a not a typical Max Freed ratio there in terms of balls to strikes. Um, and again, even made an error, which is rare for him. He made a great play earlier in the game, and Max Freed usually very sure-handed defensively, but that error ended up costing him dearly in that fifth inning as he gave up a couple of runs. He threw 35 forcing fastballs and 35 curveballs. He was primarily fastball curveball. He didn't really work in that slider at all. And honestly, I didn't think he had much of anything working. His fastball velocity was down one mile per hour. The curveball kind of came and went. I mean, he was still able to be somewhat effective with it, he got six swings and misses on it and six called strikes, but it was like two good curveballs and then two bad ones. He was leaving it up a bunch. There was even one time he had Randall Gritchick in a one-two count. He shook off Travis Darno to throw that curveball, left it up in the, in the zone, and Gritchick ripped it out to right center field. So, again, that curveball just wasn't always there for him in this game. He wasn't going to a slider at all hardly. He only threw it six times and really wasn't throwing any of his other pitches to change up in the sinker either. So I just really think it's a night where Max Free just 
honestly didn't have much of anything going, whether or not he just didn't have a feel for his pitches or just didn't have a great bullpen before the game, whatever the case may have been. Max Freed wasn't Max Freed on Tuesday night. And all that said, he gets through five innings, battles through five innings, only allows the three runs. Again, two of them earned because of his own error and gives his team a chance to win. So, again, even when Max Freed is not his best, when he doesn't hardly have any of his pitches going, still gives his team a chance to win. And I think the most telling thing is that Max Freed gave up 10 hard-hit balls in this game. That's a lot against Max Freed. We're normally talking, you know, sometimes even five or fewer hard-hit balls against Max Freed. His average exit velocity against was 89.9 miles per hour, which is still pretty good for most pitchers, but well above Max Freed's average for average exit velocity against. So certainly not a great night for Max Freed, but again, gets through five innings, only allows three runs, gets out of a bases loaded, nobody out jam with only allowing one run. And again, partly due to his own error. So again, I, I thought he gave his team a chance to win on a night where I think he just didn't have anything going for him. And you look at the bullpen was able to do and the Braves using their, their C bullpen arms. um, They did a great job coming in and keeping it right there, not giving up anything else and giving this offense an opportunity to come back. They just weren't able to do it. Uh, Jay Jackson came in first and Matzik, and he and Maxic followed after him. They both gave up a couple of harmless singles and scoreless innings. And I think you might have to start going to Matzik in more high leverage situations. Certainly games like this where it's still close late. Um, I think you need to start leaning on Matzik a little bit more. He's not as dominant as he was. He has just 25 strikeouts in 32 and a third inning. So certainly not that dominant type pitcher, but he's getting good results he has no walks in his last six appearances i mean he's been his numbers are really good for the most part in terms of you know not giving up a ton of runs not giving up a ton of base runners so he's still been effective i don't trust him in a you know a a game where you're up by a run or two late but you know for those games where it's tied late or you're down by a run i certainly think matzik has at least proven you know that he deserves those opportunities to come into a close game you know, I had some uh, listeners questioning in the comments, you know, why wasn't he used over the weekend in St. Louis in a, in a big spot when you had, you know, the rest of your bullpen arms tired? I think that's a, a valid question. I don't know why, you know, Matzik wasn't at least given a shot there. You know, even though, like I said, he's not as dominant as he was, he's still been very effective, able to get hitters out. That slider is still very good, even if the fastball average, you know, is still down a little bit. Kirby Yates came into this game. I think it may have been the best inning he's had as a Brave. That splitter got three swings and misses on five swings. So that pitch obviously starting to come around for him a little bit. He was starting to get it down in the zone more. So I thought this was one of his best outings. So certainly encouraging for him. Dylan Lee came on in the ninth inning. Had to throw 28 pitches. Gave up a little weekend field single. But you know, worked out, worked a scoreless inning as well. And just kept things right there. Giving that Braves offense a chance. And this was just an interesting note. I don't know what the reasoning for this was or uh, you know, what kind of oddity this is, but the four-seam fastball for every Braves pitcher on Tuesday night was down at least half a mile per hour. And in the case of Max Fried and Dylan Lee, it was down over one mile per hour. So I don't really know what 
what to say to that or, or why that was the case, but every Braves pitcher had their four-seam fastball velocity down on Tuesday night. So just something interesting to keep note of and look at going forward. I thought that was very interesting. And again, I don't know how that played into their ineffectiveness. I mean, the pitching staff was still really good, only allowed three runs. That should be enough for this Braves offense against that Colorado pitching staff. But unfortunately, it was not. We turn the page to Wednesday as the Braves try to get things going. Got some updates as well on Mike Soroka and Ozzy Albies. We'll talk about that next. Some fun news on Tuesday as the Atlanta Braves brought back old friend Jesse Chavez, and he'll likely be joining the bullpen here in the next couple of days as rosters expand. But Jesse Chavez is back. It's his fourth time that the Braves have acquired Jesse Chavez. And I'm glad he's back. Look, he's a great clubhouse guy. He was really great for the Braves while he was here. I hated to see him go in that trade at the deadline with Tucker Davidson to the Angels for Rysel Iglesias. But the Braves have now traded for him twice in one season. And certainly glad that he's back when I saw that the Angels had released him i tweeted out immediately that he'd be coming back to the braves and kind of jokingly but here he is and he's back so hopefully he comes back hopefully he's as good as he was when he left so certainly at least glad to have him out there for you know some of the clubhouse chemistry and just a great guy that he has been for this braves team ozzy albie's likely to begin a rehab assignment on thursday so that is great news you know i I would imagine he's been out a while, so he's probably going to need at least, you know, a week's worth of games to get back into things. But I don't think they'll hold him out too long if he looks ready to go. Um, but it looks like he could be returning perhaps sometime next week. Um, but certainly good to see him ready to get back out there and playing again and working his way back. This offense, as you know, right now could maybe use a little bit of spark. Maybe that'll be Ozzy Albies. And then Mike Soroka is set to make his fourth rehab start on Friday. Ed Gwinnett, he threw 75 pitches his last time out, so we'll see if he's able to increase that a little bit. I still think he maybe gets one more rehab start after this one. Originally, I thought maybe he could just do four and come up, but I'm starting to think that maybe he gets another one even after this one. But still, we're getting really close. That pitch count is getting up, so all things Looking good for Mike Soroka. Uh, hopefully he gets some better results this time out. I know it's not necessarily about the results right now. It's just getting him stretched out. But the results at Gwinnett so far in his last two starts haven't been great. But again, getting that pitch count up. And he retired nine of the last ten batters that he faced in his last outing. So hopefully maybe he's got something going now. He'll take that into his next start. But certainly happy for Mike Soroka. Hope that we get him back soon. And I mentioned Ron Acuna Jr. was still out of the lineup on Tuesday. Hopefully he'll be back soon. But as I talked about on the postcast, a little worrisome. You hear him continue to talk about how he just doesn't trust that knee and he doesn't always know if he can turn on it. Uh, that's a little worrisome for me, at least with Ronald Acuna Jr. As the Braves really need him in the lineup and they really need him to be that MVP type guy that we know that he can be. As far as Wednesday's matchup, you got Ryan Feltner versus Kyle Wright. Look, the Braves are heavily favored on paper in all these pitching matchups, and this is certainly another one. Ryan Feltner, 25 years old, a 587 ERA, a 142 whip, and 61 and a third innings 
with 51 strikeouts. In his last seven games, he's 1-3 with a 6-2-5 ERA and a 1-6-1 whip with 13 walks and just 20 strikeouts in 31 and two-thirds innings. He, he's, he has gotten through five innings in just two of his last eight starts. Mid-90s fastball with some good spin and a slider as his put-away pitch. Braves offense needs to go off on this guy. Again, somebody that doesn't strike out a lot of batters. Braves need to cut down on those strikeouts. Just way too many on Tuesday. But another opportunity for this offense to have a good game. As for Kyle Wright, he has been really great uh, over his last seven starts. He's 6-1 and one with a 3.02 ERA and a 107 whip with eight walks and 41 strikeouts in 44 and two-thirds innings. He's given up two earned or less in eight of his last 10 starts. So he's giving you consistently good starts. He's consistently going deep in the games, and he's consistently giving up two earned or less. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Kyle Wright in the breakout season that he's having, but none of that matters if the offense can't get going and the offense can't give you runs. So need to see them have a breakout performance against Ryan Feltner and the Rockies on Wednesday to really get going. Four-plus runs, Kyle Wright with a good start. Get a win, hopefully get on a run here and win this series and then sweep the Marlins over the weekend before going on a very difficult West Coast trip. So got to take advantage of these games, win the games that you should. Weren't able to do that on Tuesday. We'll see if they can bounce back and get it done on Wednesday. Thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow covering Wednesday's game and talking about the biggest moments from that. Now go make your second listen, Locked On MLB, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective on every team and talks about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 